You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, beautiful villagers. How are you today? Happy, happy Friday to you guys. We are quickly approaching the holiday season. Actually, we're in it. We are just in the midst of holiday season and for that I have a few things for you. I have a few downloads and freebies for you that you can use to make your traveling with infants, babies, young children easier and smoother and hopefully not as stressful. So if you are a parent and you're traveling for the holidays, I will link it in the show notes, but you can also head to our website. You can find it on our Instagram. It'll be on our Facebook. You can find it all the places. So no matter where you're connected to us, check it out. We have those downloads for you. Um, Traveling for the holidays should not be a stressful thing. It should be a time of fun. Traveling is something that ignites my soul. It lights me up, and I want the same thing for you. I absolutely cringe when I hear people say that traveling is stressful for them or that they don't love flying because those things light me up. It's okay that you don't love them 100%, but for the people who want to love them and just right now they can't because it's just not working, That's who I'm talking to. I want you to find that place where it is working and you are enjoying it because, gosh, I love to travel. So get your freebies and make sure that this holiday season is one filled with joy and relaxation and visiting family and not stress and tears and sweaty runs through the airport because you're going to miss your flight because your baby had a poop blowout and you weren't prepared. Ugh. Happy Friday, you guys. I'm so excited that you took some time to be with me today and care about the things that I care about. Showing up for this episode is showing up for yourself. This is self-care. Thanks for dedicating the time to caring about yourself, the women and children of our world, mental health, humans in general, the way that we bring babies into this world and how it affects our future. Just thanks for showing up. I really appreciate it. You're tuning in to episode number 76 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast, another Friday free talk. And today I'm diving all into pacifiers. This is a topic that is, oh my goodness, so heated on either side, right? The original question is, do I give my baby a pacifier or do I not give my baby a pacifier? And then deeper into that, it's like a little iceberg, that tip of the a tip of the iceberg that's sticking out, that question of do you pacify or do you not pacify or is just, it's just that, it's just a little tip. And then you dive deeper and holy moly, gosh almighty, it is so many questions from 
What pacifier is the best to when do you get rid of it to is it good or bad for their development to is it scarring to have to get rid of it? There are so many things out there, so many opinions, so many stories, so many people saying this was my experience, so many studies, so many books, so many blogs, oh, so much stuff. So I'm adding to it. I want to be heard. I want to be out there giving my opinion on the pacifier because I have some things to say. I spent um, nearly 10 years being in classrooms of young children who did have pacifiers and I've watched a lot of these stories and a lot of those blogs um, they're stories that I kind of watched happen and these anecdotal remarks that I have are because I've seen this happen in the classroom where I've actually implemented it in my classroom or these are conversations that I've had with parents in their homes as a doula. Um, I have a lot of experience and I wanted to share that with you. Pacifiers is something that I get asked about all the time on social media, on email, by clients, by just people randomly on the street who find out I'm a doula or I'm a birth worker. And I promise you, pacifiers come up. Every single family wonders about pacifiers at some point in time. And earlier this week, I went to a event put on by Smilo, and they are a new company that is making bottles and pacifiers and other baby products, and um, I got to see some really cool products that haven't launched yet, but that are coming, and they're very, very neat, and really excited to share those with you when they finally launch, but the event that I went to earlier this week was all about their pacifier specifically and I learned so much and so I wanted to share that with you. So between the experience that I have as an educator and a support person, a birth support, and the educational piece and this forum that I went to, this event that I went to, I felt like I had enough that I could put it in a podcast and this would answer 98% of the questions that I get about pacifiers. And so I thought, why the heck would I not put it in a podcast so all my people, all the world, can have this information? So here we go. We started out this panel, this event, um, with a dentist, a pediatric dentist, Dr. Dave Tassini, and he spoke all about their specific design for their pacifiers. And throughout this, we were able to answer questions. Um, and so some of this came from parents and some of it was just um, what was offered up by the, the two mom facilitators. They had two mom facilitators that came who had um, kind of partnered with this brand and they were just using questions to, um, yeah, do a panel, right? You guys know what a panel is. So the first thing that Dr. Dave talked about was the support for the palate and how this pacifier was specifically created by looking at 
the sucks of babies. Now we all know babies suck. <laughs> babies like to suck. They don't suck, but they they come here knowing how to suck, needing to suck, and it is soothing for them to suck. So babies suck. <laughs> So Dr. Dave talked about how they looked at sucks of babies and they discovered that modern day pacifiers were not supporting the palate of babies and also that parents didn't have the proper education to know how to properly use and maintain the use of pacifiers. And so Dr. Dave says that when babies are sucking, they have pressure, obviously, from the roof of their mouth and their jaw because they're sucking, and that their tongue is pressed down, right? And then the pressure of the suck brings in their cheeks, and it narrows their palate, and instead... This particular brand has a bulb, a pacifier bulb, that when it is sucked on, instead of pressing the tongue down, it redisperses the pressure and it actually flattens the bulb a little bit, allowing the tongue to rise and go through the gums to prevent the cheeks from being sucked into the mouth, to prevent the mouth and the palate from narrowing. And you have to think that most newborns, I won't say most, a lot of newborns, many families choose to pacifier their children. And so for a lot of hours, for a lot of days, for a lot of weeks, for a lot of months, up to maybe a couple years, your baby is sucking on this pacifier that is not designed to support their mouth and their palate. And then it makes their development wonky because it narrows their palate and your baby no longer has any room for their teeth. Do you see how this is a spiral effect? And then you're gonna need a palate expander and then you're gonna need braces and you're probably gonna have to have teeth pulled all because we're using pacifiers that are not intentional in their design. Now this is in no way sponsored by this brand. This is in no way um, me going out or me saying to go out and buy this brand. What I'm telling you is information that you need to know when you're choosing a pacifier. Go with this brand or don't. I don't care. I want you to know what is happening inside your baby's mouth when you're using a pacifier so that you can be intentional about the pacifiers that you choose so that you can be intentional in the use and the monitoring and the maintaining of using a pacifier in your child's life. That's what this episode is about. The second thing Dr. Dave talked about was nipple size. So the bulb size it has to grow as your baby grows because their palate grows, right? As you grow, so your mouth, think about your mouth. It's not the same as it was when you were a baby. It grows. And so as your baby grows and their palate develops and their jaw develops, you want their pacifier bulb to also grow and expand so that their mouths are supported properly Think about that pacifier redistributing that pressure all in your baby's mouth 
So Dr. Dave told about kids that would come into his office and he could tell right away when they had been sucking on a pacifier for not only too long, but one that was way too small. He just had to look at them, not even inside their mouth, and he could ask, did your baby use a pacifier? And they were like, yeah, sure. Some even said, yeah, they're still using it now. And when he asked for it, it was like two-year-olds using newborn-sized pacifiers. This is not to say that these parents did this on purpose. Obviously, parents wouldn't do this on purpose. It goes to show the lack of education that we have around pacifier use and the design of pacifiers. So as your baby grows, you want their bulb size to grow. You need to be looking at the size of the pacifiers that you use. The sizes are according to their age. So you generally will follow that. But Dr. Dave did talk about special cases. I can only assume that I would be a special case. I'm a very petite person. Um, my mouth is probably actually the size of a child's mouth. And my sister was extremely premature, so a couple months premature. And both of us, I cannot imagine, would have the palate of a a one-year-old when we were probably one. So that nine to 12 month old palette bulb size on that pacifier was probably way too big for both of us. And we both have different circumstances, right? I was just a tiny baby and my sister was very premature. Finally, the last thing Dr. Dave said was the most important thing is the cut off of when you use a passy. And I think also this is number one of questions that I get. I get asked, when should I get rid of my passy? The most 90% of pacifier questions are about getting rid of it. Probably 8% are about pacifiers and nipple confusion and breastfeeding. And 2% are off questions that always keep me on my toes. <laughs> You're always going to have those. Dr. Dave suggests a one-year cutoff. Now, we recognized as a group parents out in the audience, and then there were other professionals that were you know, serving parents, and we all recognize that that one-year cutoff may have already passed for some families, may not be attainable, just may not be something you're interested in at one year. It may not be something that you think your child is ready for. That's okay. What Dr. Dave said was don't lose your mind or your life over getting rid of a pacifier, but by the age of one or around the age of one, you wanna drastically reduce the rate of which you're letting your child use this pacifier. So a common thing that I suggest the parents around this age is to only give your child this pacifier during sleep times. That does include nap um, and it includes obviously nighttime. So when your child is sleeping, they can have the pacifier. But around one years old, you want to be starting to work on, I mean, way before this, you want to be working on it, but especially around one, you want to be really intentional about cultivating this emotional intelligence in your child. And so you want to help them start identifying their emotions and helping them understand that what they're feeling is okay. And here are a few ways that they can express this and that you understand why they feel this way. You might even feel that way. Um, so to use this as an example for a pacifier, 
they might wake up and generally get their pacifier right when they wake up or, you know, put it back into their mouth after it's fallen out for the night and then you take it for breakfast and usually you give it back to them while they're playing and you're cleaning the kitchen and this and that. When you're ready to go to just nap time or just sleep time, you can have a conversation with your child and let them know that today we're only going to use the pacifier for sleep time. You know, it's going to be really hard. If you wanted to do it the night before, you can. Personally, I think that one years old is a little bit too young to have a, a conversation beforehand. Um, so I personally would start it that day. It's going to be a really hard day, right? Um, so you would let them have the pacifier as they are waking up. And when you take it for breakfast, I would put it in a cup and I would let them know this is the cup it's going to stay in and then you can have this back when you go to sleep. Some kids might start crying. It's hard. You can let them know this is so hard, but you have breakfast on the way. And some kids might just be like, all right, whatever, give me the breakfast, lady. So give them breakfast and then when they're ready for their passy again, you can have the conversation. Again, the same conversation that you had before breakfast that we're going to use pacifier for sleep time today. I would not consider today a very productive day. I would think that your child's going to need a lot of love, a lot of cuddles, a lot of hugs, a lot of letting them know that what they're feeling is okay and that they have something to look forward to. They're going to get their passy at nap time. You can help them find other things they can do. You can help them try and play. You can just let them sit and be. Some kids just need to sit and feel their emotions. That's okay. You don't want to rob them of that. When they are asking you for the pacifier, you can continue to let them know that they're safe and they're loved and they are going to get their pacifier at sleep time and that is for nap time. And so they can have something until then, what would they like to do? Would they like to play? Would they like a hug? They may just want to hear you continue to say, you're loved and you're safe and you can have it at nap time. When we go to nap, you can get your passy and they can need, you know, they may need a hug. They might need to just sit and cuddle. You can say things to them like, I would feel sad too, but I know I would get my passy at nap time. Or, I hear this is so hard. I'm sorry that you feel sad. I know that you're strong enough to insert whatever you want to say. Wait until nap time. Play without your passy. I know that you are brave enough to... Do life without passy. I don't know. You can tell your child, be gentle. I guess this conversation is about being gentle with your kid and recognizing that this is, in fact, really hard for them, especially at one years old. Um, going through the day without a passy can be very, very hard. One of the tips that I like to do is you can replace it. You can offer a lovey. These are little stuffed animal slash blanket type things. They're very small and miniature and cute and um, compact, so you can take them. You can also buy multiple ones, so you can have one for the bed, one for the house, one for the car, one for the diaper bag. Um, they're, they're awesome. I love loveys, and they will not want it at first, right? Your babe's probably not going to want to replace their passy. Who wants to replace something that you love? 
when it's first offered. But if you continue to offer this lovey, you can replace that pacifier with this lovey. Um, and then your child will learn that pacifiers are only for, for sleep time, night time, and nap time. Kids are very smart and they are very resilient. They um, adapt quickly as well. So I would not assume that your child is going to have an extremely difficult time letting go of this passy after they learn that they get it for nap and nighttime. Um, I think parents, I would be willing to say that parents generally just see a few days of fussing and whining. Um, obviously, some children are going to struggle more than others, and the transition is going to be harder. I'm a very sensitive person. I probably struggle as an adult a little bit more than your average person when it comes to change, so I can resonate with that. Um, if you are finding that your child is having an extended, prolonged, hard transition, I would reach out to someone about helping to understand maybe what your child is trying to tell you and that I think you could explore something that there might be something deeper than that. Usually letting go of a passy is not um, a super traumatic, huge thing if it is done in a supported and loving, compassionate way. So to recap what Dr. Dave said, number one, you need to be concerned, aware, and educated on the support of your child's palate and mouth development if you're going to use passies. Number two, you need to be aware and monitor and maintain the size of your child's passy, specifically the bulb. Pacifiers need to grow as your child grows. You know the size of the passy that your child needs from their age. That's how that's dictated. Number three, you need to cut off all day usage from the pacifier by age one. Your pacifier should transition to just a sleep comfort item at around the age of one. So Dr. Dave did share that at age 18 to 24 months is when you really start to see dental problems start to arise from having a pacifier. And at that point, it's too late. You generally are going to have to have some sort of augmentation to your mouth to correct the damage that was done, whether that be braces, palate expander, um, having teeth pulled. It's the... It's just kind of the name of the game. Once the damage is done, there is reversing it, but it does include having medical support. So another thing that Dr. Dave wanted to share was that one of the most important things that you can do for your child in their first year of life is to make their one-year-old dentist appointment. He said it's something that most parents don't even realize that is necessary, but in a dentist's opinion, it is one of the most important. It's just a lap exam. He's not going to throw your baby back in the chair and demand they open their mouth and go digging around in there with sharp objects. But he's, he's looking at your baby's jaw, your baby's face shape, your face shape, and your jaw. If your partner can't be there, it would be helpful to have a picture of them so that the dentist can look at your partner's jaw. 
Then if the dentist can entice your baby to open their mouth, she might do that. And she might ask that, you know, you try and see if you can get your baby to laugh or smile or begin to latch onto something, whether that be your breast or a pacifier or a bottle. Um, if you can tickle them and get them to do a wide open on their back, kind of mouth pose that would be really awesome so they can really get down in there and, and see what's going on um, but this is the most important dentist appointment in many kids lives according to Dr. Dave. Finally they will be asking the dentist will be asking questions about um, what your habits are like at home. They want to see if there's anything that they should be telling you to stop or to incorporate specifically. It's also a chance for you to ask questions. Maybe you have things that you're wondering if you should or should not be doing. It's also a chance for you guys to talk about what's next in your child's dental journey as well as what can you be doing at home. A lot of this looks like brushing your child's first teeth or maybe just that one tooth plus what you can be doing as far as dietary things to help protect your child's teeth. Dr. Dave shared that the number one culprit for cavities in young children are actually fruit snacks. And that back in the day, Dr. Dave is an older gentleman and he joked that back in his day, the fruit snacks weren't called fruit snacks. And in order to get it changed to fruit snacks, gummy bears, gummy bear companies and other companies started to copy the gummy bear recipe and add 5% of fruit juice, you guys. 5% to gummy bears. And then they called it fruit snacks. And people thought that it was healthy. Now, what that does from a dentist perspective, from a science perspective, is that 5% fruit juice actually breaks down that gummy bear consistency, that jelly that the gummy bear is made of, and it makes it stickier and so more of it sticks between your child's teeth. If you give your child fruit snacks, I really encourage you, really, really encourage you to look at the ingredients of what you are giving your child. Dr. Dave joked that he would rather you just give your child gummy bears rather than fruit snacks and that it would probably do less damage. Naturally, I needed to ask a question because we had touched on the topic of breastfeeding and pacifiers and what Dr. Dave suggested is what every other medical professional suggests and that is just to wait until breastfeeding is established. But as someone who is in homes of people and seeing real lives and not seeing people for just a few minutes in a sterile environment that they had to get their child up and dressed and themselves up and dressed and in the car and to the office only to remember all of the questions that they needed to ask, see you for a few minutes, you leave, then they leave, they drive back home and you remember how many questions you forgot to ask the doctor, right? I know that there's a bigger problem than just waiting until your breastfeeding is quote-unquote established. That doesn't happen easily for everybody and established, quote-unquote, could be 
weeks, months for some people. So I needed to ask, what do we do if establishing breastfeeding isn't possible within the time that you should also introduce a pacifier? So a general thought is that you can introduce a pacifier between three and six weeks. So you're going to get all sorts of answers. Um, I have people, pediatricians, professionals, that say three weeks, right before the month mark. I learned an infant feeding specialist that it should at least be a month mark. Um, everyone, I think, agrees that breastfeeding should be established, but when that is not possible, what do you do? And it triggered a conversation of maybe it's actually not the pacifier itself, but rather the design of the pacifier. And something that this brought up was that these pacifiers, this specific brand, stays in babes' mouths way better. Parents in the audience were like, yeah, me too, me too. I've noticed that too so much. Um, it was very cool to see this. So I wonder, it made me wonder, if he's right, if he's onto something, I wonder if it is not necessarily the pacifier itself or the introduction of the pacifier itself, but rather the design of the pacifier. So I wanted to know about my own self. So I reached out to my mom and I asked her about my sister and I and what she did when we were babies. And she said that for my sister, my sister, my younger sister, is a preemie, and she was very premature. She was born a few months early, and she spent a lot of weeks in the NICU, and they never offered it there to her, and so when she got to come home, she never really took to it, and she was breastfed a lot longer than I was. However, um, I struggled to breastfeed in the beginning, and so my mom was that parent that breastfeeding didn't get started so easily, and it was a few days before milk came in, and I wasn't getting anything to eat, and so they did decide to introduce a pacifier on day two, and I hung on to that thing until I was two years old, and it did not interrupt breastfeeding. My mom was able to successfully go on and breastfeed after that. So I think, in my opinion, every child is different. Every situation is different. I mean, my sister and I are the same family from the same parents in the same home, born within five years of each other, and totally different experiences and needs. And yeah, it's just different. Which leads me to say, how can we say something is right or wrong? I want you to be listening to this episode thinking, this is useful information that I can take and apply to my situation and figure out what's best for me. Not, well, this is information that I need to make my decisions based on because it says it was wrong or right. So transitioning a little bit into pros and cons of pacifiers. So we already established that babies suck. They're going to suck on things, right? So you can introduce a pacifier 
and if you don't, some kids are going to naturally need to suck on their thumbs. Now, thumb suckers, finger suckers are a thing. If your baby is committed to sucking on their fingers and in those fingers are what comforts them, you are going to have a very hard time breaking that. One pro to using a pacifier is studies have shown that it does reduce SIDS. And so um, some studies show that it's up to 61%. And Dr. Dave explained that this is because it preserves the startle reflex. If something is in your child's mouth and their airway should become compromised, they will start to suck and they'll actually pull themselves out of that sleep. Whereas if they were not sucking on any Thing. Um, you know, something might happen. They might not be able to pull themselves out of that compromised airway situation um, as easy as they might if they had a pacifier in their mouth. You also have a little bit more control over a pacifier. So um, until your baby kind of discovers that they can suck on their fingers and that their fingers are comforting, you have control over when you can give the passy. So you can decide to give it or you can decide not to give it. Um, so it keeps the control a little bit more in your hands. There are a few things that parents need to know about using a passy um, that we didn't necessarily talk about at this panel. And so I wanted to share that. So you should change your passies often, yes, because of the size, but also because of cleanliness. So you want to be sterilizing your child's pacifiers just as you would utensils, their bottles, other nipples that they suck on. Um, generally, I do it once a day. You should have enough passies around the house that you can put the two or three that they've used throughout today into the washer, into a little countertop steamer sanitizer to sterilize those. So change them often. You want to also be monitoring your child for chewing. So as soon as your baby gets teeth, if they are chewing on their passies, you can try and tell them, don't chew it, don't chew it, don't chew it. Some babies will get it. I've broken babies from it before. Um, Oh, I don't love the term broken babies from it. I have redirected babies from that before. Um, but if your baby doesn't take to that redirection, you're going to need to take that passy because then it becomes a safety concern. If your child were to chew off the bulb of that pacifier and they were to suck that down their throat, bad situation, bad situation. So you want to take care of that. Be monitoring for chewing once your baby has teeth. You never want to give the pacifier at times of hunger or times of emotional learning. So the emotional learning piece comes a little bit later in life. Obviously, we're not talking about newborns at that time. But if your child is nine months old and they are just frustrated because you're having to leave the park, Putting the passy in their mouth might not be the best answer because what are you teaching them? When you get frustrated, you can have your passy and that helps you calm down? Well, no. It's better to try and help them identify that they're feeling really upset and that it is really hard to leave places that are really, really fun. But the, play the playground will always be there. And the next time that you have to look forward to the playground, we're coming back there tomorrow we're coming back here next week or right now we're going to dance class we're going to the science museum we're going to 
Nani's house. It's whatever. Um, you can tell your child whatever, but sticking a passing in their mouth doesn't help them identify their feelings, understand their feelings, understand how to express their feelings, or even acknowledge their feelings. You're kind of just sticking something in their mouth so that they are quiet or stop crying. Don't do that to your child. Help them understand what they're feeling and that what they're feeling is okay. Another no-no is to give your child their pacifier right after you've given medicines. So you should always give your child's mouth a few minutes to get the medicine out and then encourage your child to drink something before they have their pacifier. Some medicines can actually break down the material of the pacifiers. So be very cautious of that. You never want to be obviously breaking down plastic that goes in your child's mouth. One interesting fact that I wanted to share about pacifiers is that some studies show that children are three times as likely to get ear infections if they are pacifier users. I wish I had known this information when I had gone to this event. I would have asked Dr. Dave about that. Something else that came up was the talk of cavities. And so... We talked about that children who are allowed to sleep with bottles or milk, whether that be cow's milk, goat's milk, whatever milk, um, they are much more likely to have cavities in most or all of their teeth. So what children do during the night is actually not sucking for food. They are doing what's called non-nutritive sucking, and it's just soothing sucking. That's all it is. It's just to help them be comforted and so if they are sucking milk at this point that milk is going to stay in their mouth and turn into sugar and then turn into cavities so the bacteria that causes cavities actually isn't present until that first tooth breaks through the surface it takes a very special um recipe a breeding ground is what dr dave called it for cavities to happen and form and another fun fact about that is that Cavities are actually based on your mother's bacteria in her mouth. Um, so that is pretty cool to know. Right, I have given you all a lot of information, but I haven't covered what most of you have probably come for. How do you get rid of this blasted pacifier after you've cursed yourself to this life? You know, it's probably not as hard as most of you will think that it is. Some children are going to willingly give it up. You can just say, I'm ready for you to give up your pacifier. Or you, you can do it without your pacifier. They'll just give it up. I've seen it happen. It's really incredible. It really takes adults by surprise to see that level of contentment and confidence and emotional intelligence in such a tiny human. They're like, okay, here's my passy. And then you never hear about it again. It does happen. Not often, but it happens. More times than not, you're going to need to do something to prepare your child for this. So depending on your child, you want to take your child into consideration, obviously. You want to know who your child is and how they best receive information. Sometimes it's going to look like a conversation of, it's time to get rid of your passies. You only use it at sleep time. You have a lovey. Um, you know, you are two years old. You are one and a half year old, you are gonna be a big brother, you are an awesome big sister. What 
forever. Be careful with the weight that you put on your child with this. Make sure that it's light and it's fun and that it is a celebration and that it's not a time of something that they're losing, but instead something that they're looking forward to. One of the things that I love to tell parents to do, and you can do this for so or in so many ways and it is to have like a little ceremony it can be as extravagant or low-key as you want i have had parents mail their passies to kids that really need them i have had parents buy helium balloons and send their passies to the birds and the angels i have had parents throw their passies into the lake or the river and give it to the fishes i've had parents bury their passies you bury it. For why? I have no idea. Make something up. What's your child into? You can do so many things to make this a fun something. This is something that your child is giving. Maybe this is your child's first exposure to giving and philanthropic care for others. What a cool thing. You can start instilling your child if you do it at one or you do it at one and a half or you do it at two. How young is that to be instilling such an amazing moral and character in your child? I love it. So I asked my mom what she did to get rid of mine, and it was something I had never heard of before, actually, and it's really cool. So my mom said this actually came from my granddad, and he did it when my mom needed to get rid of her pacifier, and they actually hung it on the wall right by my light switch. And so as a little girl, um, they did it when I was two years old, I was able to lay in my big girl bed and stare at my passy and know that my passy was still there, but that I didn't need it in my mouth. How cool is that? Another trick that I often tell my parents, and it was really neat to hear my mom say that they did this more than 25 years ago. So it was really, really neat. But they transitioned me into their quote-unquote big girl bed. I don't love the term big girl, big boy. It insinuates that if you're not a big girl or a big boy, you're a small boy or a small girl. Um, and in most toddler eyes, if you're not a big girl or a big boy, you are a baby. How demeaning to be a baby if you're actually a very strong and independent toddler. So be careful with what you call their, their bed, but when you're ready to transition, that's an amazing time to take the pacifiers away as well. One big transition of kind of a lot of small things changing, so you're changing beds, maybe they're changing rooms, and they get rid of their passy. One big band-aid rip-off is better than having to change rooms, and you get adjusted to that for a month, and then it takes you a month to adjust to your new bed, and then you have to do another month of adjusting to life with a new passy, and you could have adjusted to everything in a matter of a few days, maybe a week or two, and instead we drag this on for three months. Just keep that in mind. So, folks, there you have it. From the advice of a pediatric dentist to the top three things parents should know when picking out and using uh, pacifiers to the reduction of SIDS, what to do when breastfeeding doesn't get established in the first few days of your baby's life. We chatted about the do's and the don'ts of pacifier use and pacifier versus thumb.
I hope that you learned an easy way to get rid of the pacifier when that time comes for your life. And if you are trying to decide whether you want to be part of the hashtag pacifier life club or not, I hope that this episode was helpful. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Happy Friday, y'all. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Hello villagers, I just wanted to hop back on here and let you guys know that registration for the fourth trimester workshop is still open. If you are an expectant parent, this is the workshop for you. We're bringing it to you in your home, on your computer, you and five other couples and two professionals. It's going to be myself and I'll be teaching you all about bringing your new baby home. I'm even going to dive into a little bit of of sleep in the last trimester and how to get you some more sleep right before your baby comes. Then we'll start to prepare for after your baby gets home. How will you get you and your partner sleep? How will you manage your household with a new baby? Secondly, you will meet Kate. She is the founder of Serenity Sleep and Wellness, and she will be diving into how you can best support your newborn sleep once you bring them home. She is going to talk all about those first few weeks and months and what you can expect and what you can do to try and get as much shut-eye as possible. You guys, sign up for the link in the show notes. You don't want to miss this. It is only open to six families. So go ahead and get your name on it now. This is going to be on November 29th, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get your name on the list. Do not be caught off guard in postpartum. Don't let yourself have a baby and then find yourself in the midst of a complete circus and leave yourself looking back wondering why in the world you didn't prepare better for this. Come on guys, make yourself number one, put yourself as a priority for two hours. That's it. That's all I'm asking you and this will be a total game changer in your postpartum experience. I will see you guys there. Don't forget to register in the show notes. As always, villagers, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.